0: This episode of Podcasted People's War is brought to you by Robes. Do you want to reinforce the bourgeois white settler colonialism ensconced in your nation's foundational documents but feel like you're just non-gender non-conforming enough? Try Robes. Abolition requires that we change one thing, which is everything. Abolition is not absence, it is presence. What the world will become already exists in fragments and pieces, experiments and possibilities. So those who feel deep in their gut, a deep anxiety that abolition means knock it all down, scorch the earth, and start something new, let that go. Abolition is building the present from the future in all the ways we can. That is Ruth Wilson Gilmore, a black abolitionist Marxist. I am Nell, host of Podcasted People's War. I did that in the wrong order. Sorry, Julius. (laughs)
1: That's all right. Uh, And I'm Julius. Uh, Welcome to the first mini episode of of Podcasted People's (laughs)
0: War. This is our emergency episode Uh, because something happened. Yeah.
1: If y'all. Which is rare in America. (laughs) If y'all haven't been uh, living under a rock, you'll probably know that Amy Coney Barrett has been confirmed to the Supreme Court as uh, the ninth uh, justice. Uh, She fills the absence that Ruth Bader Ginsburg left when she uh, got got by... I'm I'm sorry, that was not appropriate.
0: Heaven has (laughs) one more girl, boss. Rest in power. Oh my god.
1: But anyways, so... I'm
0: going to hell, aren't
1: I? But yeah, so uh, this should really come as very little surprise to most people. Um, Republicans do hold a majority in the Senate, and also it isn't surprising at all that Donald Trump would nominate someone such as Amy Coney Barrett. Um, the confirmation itself occurred, uh, I believe, on the 26th of October there was a 52-48 vote uh with 52 republican senators voting in favor of her confirmation 48 uh 47 democrats and also uh one republican voted against it and this will lead to a 6-3 majority in the supreme court in the favor of conservatives and okay can i
0: just say i okay i have a lot of opposition to any coney barrett but i feel like one one thing that's up there uh, because my brain doesn't work the way it should, is just how little gravitas her name has. Like, love him or hate him, and trust me, I hate all of them, Supreme Court justices have historically had pretty cool names. I like agree, yeah. Thurgood Marshall, <laughs> or Clarence Thomas, <laughs> or Sonia <laughs>
1: Sotomayor. Wow.
0: Amy Coney Barrett. It doesn't have it, you know? Yeah, it's
1: It's really, like, it's bland. And also, there are three three names like if you go by your middle name I know Ruth Bader Ginsburg did that too but I, I just Justice it, Joseph Gordon-Levitt <laughs> it just like yeah
0: it ru- it does rub me the wrong way uh among among, other things. among many we'll get, other things we'll get into that of course
1: and yeah and of course uh, uh this has really been publicized quite greatly uh she is a very conservative person and she's also in her 40s which are two huge reasons why the trump administration decided to nominate her um as y'all probably know uh supreme court justices serve for life or until they quit but in this case probably life which is going to be a lot of years unfortunately um (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i know we said we were gonna yeah so
0: i get it's pretty obvious it's pretty obvious who supported her um, and you would think that you knew who did not support her, which would be the Democrats. Uh, but you'd be surprised. So, yeah. Julius, do you want to talk about that a little and why uh, maybe they didn't do as much to stop this confirmation and later appointment from happening?
1: Certainly, as they should have. Been? Well, uh, it is obviously uh in the popular media where the, it's it's a popularized idea at least that Democrats were really highly against this. Uh, you see this play out in the voting process itself. Um, No Democrat voted in favor of it, and also Democrats keep saying that they were opposed to it strongly. However, there are a lot of options that they actually had to prevent the confirmation itself from occurring. Uh, First of all, let's take a look back into the Obama era for a moment. Um, Obama tried to uh, Merrick Garland. Obama tried to nominate Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court before his term ended in 2016. Again, I'm not a big fan of the guy because he's a centrist, (laughs) but Merrick Garland, it It
0: fits on the bench.
1: (laughs) But yeah, anyways, so when he tried to nominate Merrick Garland, Republicans stopped that from happening, even though that was several—I believe—nine months before the election itself. Two hundred
0: and eighty-nine days.
1: Yeah. While in this case, uh, the election is happening like next week, and <laughs> it happened and like Fuck. it went through anyways. Uh, and I—I'm just saying, uh, this is just a little bit of context to see like the difference between what one party did to mobilize to stop a Supreme Court justice from being confirmed versus what another party obviously didn't do. Uh, If you look at Nancy Pelosi, uh, she has been questioned about this significantly, but she did have the option of uh, using a government shutdown to prevent the hearings from occurring. Um, But she refused to do that entirely. Um, In an interview a few weeks ago, she decided to encourage voting instead. Again, if Pelosi was truly against Amy Coney Barrett and recognized the significance of having a like, conservative majority court, it, it, it seems a little bit strange why she would not use everything in her power to stop it from happening.
0: Why does Nancy Pelosi hate being good at politics <laughs> so much? Her opponents I don't well, I don't think that the vast majority of Republicans in Congress are dumb per se I shouldn't even be using that word because the ableist connotation. I don't think they are
1: incompetent.
0: I don't think they're bad at politics. I think they're just evil. Yeah. And I think like somehow, in spite, you know, all their policies defying any logic or scientific consensus, they are so good at getting what they want. And whenever Nancy Pelosi has the opportunity to accomplish anything, she foregoes it. Because she thinks that compromise and civility are good, which I think fundamentally demonstrates her commitment to cooperating with Republicans and letting these reactionaries have a place at the table of America. And, like, moreover, uh, maybe projecting strength, per se, is not quite your thing. Uh, Maybe that seems a bit, like a bit too uh you know chauvinist of a thing to do in politics but projecting competence projecting strength is a thing that mobilizes your base and if she did use it i'm sorry i'm going a little bit too much into this but this just bothers me a lot uh like the fact that she didn't bring the hammer down when she had the opportunity to was just the biggest miss because she absolutely could have gotten like people's butts out of their seats and well, I guess no one's like going to vote necessarily, but like she would have gotten millions of you know pens out of the pen holder things and then onto the mail and ballots, whatever, whatever. And that fact that she didn't is just wild to me. I'm sorry. Keep oh yeah, going.
1: <laughs> but I think what this illustrates even more is Democrats comfort with a conservative majority court. Uh, while in politics we see it played out that there is a big opposition to this. through their actions, there clearly wasn't that much done to oppose this from happening. Um, uh, While this could prove disastrous in several ways for like women's reproductive rights or like reproductive rights in general, I mean, uh, not just women. And for uh, the LGBT community, uh, what it doesn't threaten are, uh, are corporate interests. The corporate interests, the same ones that obviously fund the campaigns for many Democrat politicians, um, one other example of this that I want to point out was Diane Feinstein. Uh, if you watch any of the uh, questioning sessions that they- The confirmation, yeah, the confirmation hearings. Yeah, the confirmation hearings that they were doing with uh, Amy Coney Barrett, most of Feinstein's questions were really lowball. Um, and she actually went ahead and praised Amy Coney Barrett publicly and hugged Lindsey Graham at the end of one of them.
0: That's gotta be like the squishiest hug ever (laughs) like two septuagenarians just going at it i feel like like... (laughs) it's like two skeletal cups of jello
1: colliding with each other at a very slow speed once again like this does show like there really isn't that much an opposition like if this is what you're calling a quote-unquote resistance to a very harmful policy that could, in very real and significant ways, or harmful people that can in very real and significant ways negatively affect the lives of many people. Like, it, it, it's really kind of a joke. And again, like, a lot, what a lot of liberals have been hoping for or crossing their fingers for Is that Biden will somehow decide to pack the courts once he. Can we talk
0: about what packing the courts means for a little bit? Because I feel like not everyone is familiar with the idea. Well,
1: essentially, we do have nine Supreme Court justices, and the Supreme Court is like one of the most powerful, the most powerful court in the American system. However, uh, the number of justices isn't really set in stone. Um, While justices are appointed for life, and don't really like the, the only way they get out of the seat is usually if they quit or if they do something like really really bad and like get taken out um so the only other way to swing a court majority in favor of a certain ideology is typically to pack the courts which would mean to add more justices and then nominate more justices presumably in your own favor yeah anyways uh biden has already voiced uh discomfort with that idea multiple times uh he has said that he doesn't think that the court should be political um and even if he were to support packing the courts uh after he most likely will win the election. Uh the likelihood of that being a popularly received motion and the likelihood of like packing the courts actually happening is very low. Um
0: I just want to say, I just want to say uh the Supreme People's Court in China uh, has 340 judges. So, um <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying pack the court, but uh 340, 340. <laughs> Three hundred forty <laughs> communist judges doesn't sound that bad. On, nine
1: having nine people who are not elected and confirmed by the less the, the, the basically unrepresentative portion of the legislature is really not democratic in the slightest. I mean that that should come as no surprise to anyone, but there clearly wasn't any intention of having this be a like democratic process in any way. It's basically guaranteed for the next few years, at least, that we will have a majority conservative by a pretty wide margin. Yeah, I don't know for the next few. Are no, you I'm planning ju- something I mean, that I'm not in on? Most of the justices are pretty old. The I'm, I don't know what the possibility is that one of them will like die in the next four years, and I also don't think that I can trust Biden enough to nominate a like competent um justice again like no justice would be competent in the manner that we're (laughs) justice justice but yeah like biden did support clarence thomas back in the 90s he
0: did vote against him but he was instrumental in um clarence thomas making it through the hearing regarding like sexual misconduct with um anita hill uh who was a lawyer uh who worked with him for a number of years so yeah biden was um Surprise, surprise! Biden is an abuser. Yeah, I mean, considering that he abusers. is himself
1: an abuser, it, that is really not that surprising, but it is unfortunate. But I mean, yeah. So yeah, why, why, why should right. we care? Well, basically? Uh, what does I mean, matter, it's you think? been said many times, but Barrett is extremely conservative. Uh, she supports overruling Roe v. Wade, and now that there is a six-three majority for conservatives, the court can presumably overturn uh, legisl- or cases such as Ober- Obergefell v Hodge, which is the uh, gay marriage case back in 2015? 2015, 2015. Uh, additionally, she does think that the Affordable Care Act is unconstitutional. And if the court did happen to decide that it was un- unconstitutional, which is uh, they they are actually hearing the case about this in the coming weeks, I believe, uh, but yeah, it would make it make the law, the Affordable Care Act itself, unenforceable and much easier to repeal. And of course, this does have some material effect upon the most marginalized portions of our society, uh, people who need reproductive rights, such as members of the L G B T community, uh, women, uh, trans people. Uh, like th- that's obviously going to be like these communities are who are going are the ones who are going to be affected the most and of course with a judicial system that hey all, this is now Post. Just wanted to clarify some inappropriate
0: comments that were made, which erroneously equate Amy Coney Barrett's religious fundamentalism with danger. practicing and religion as a whole. We did not mean to say Tony that Amy Coney like, Barrett it, it, it is reactionary because her is her is uh, she is a Catholic Christian, but rather of, her Catholic Christian background is used in a few to further pursue a reactionary cultural political agenda. We also understand that suppressing religion uh, is a tool of colonialism colonialism and imperialism to disempower peoples. And that is definitely something that we all need to reflect on, myself especially. Uh, So we're sorry if these comments struck any wrong chords. Stay tuned.
1: But at the same time this is the supreme court it is not a legislative branch in itself and beyond that the courts are we'll, we'll get into this later but the courts are really not an avenue for significant change and liberation uh but yeah no Say what you will
0: about people of praise. I bet their potlucks were banging Because if there's anything I know about white people, it's that white people with a lot of free time make hella good potato salad. I fuck with potato salad. And um, even if it's made by crazy religious fan- Okay, crazy, also not a great word. uh Even if it's made by enthusiastic religious fanatics, uh, might not have spices, but it's spiced up with Jesus. So... Um, let's problematize a little bit of the hype that this confirma- this appointment is getting from liberals and some, some leftists right now. And I'm going to be a little bit inflammatory here by saying it doesn't matter as much as we think. And here's the main reason, plain and simple, political science 101 concept of judicial review. Basically, judicial review dictates that the Supreme Court and federal courts in general can't really accomplish anything material, though they are responsible for interpreting the Constitution and interpreting the legality of laws in accordance with the Constitution. They can't enforce it thus their decisions are almost entirely symbolic and kind of require other branches of government to act in accordance with those rulings and i think the most infamous the most infamous example of this is the cherokee nation v georgia plain and simple was the ruling of the supreme court that the state of georgia could not forcibly remove members of the cherokee nation from their rightful lands the cherokee nation's rightful lands fuck georgia however they could not enforce that ruling and thus the andrew jackson administration this is way back by the way way back like trail of tears days the andrew jackson administration forced tens of thousands of uh cherokee persons off their lands on what would eventually be known as the Trail of Tears, in which uh, I think about Mm -hmm. 4,000 people, probably more, because uh, Americans love to lie about death tolls, but approximately... At least 4,000 Cherokee people died while being displaced from their home. Moreover, I think the federal judiciary, it's really not as instrumental to protecting rights as we like to pretend it is. In fact, it's more instrumental to striking down quote-unquote progressive gains, uh, such as those accomplished by FDR, Franklin D. Roosevelt, um, in the New Deal program. They have regularly been... Against workers' rights, um, and I think the biggest example of this is Tred Scott v. Sanford, uh, in which they upheld they upheld black people's enslaved persons, uh, enslaved status, uh, and cemented them is very disgusting to say, but uh, cemented enslaved persons as property instead of people, uh, and making it much harder for them to purchase their freedom. Again. Purchase, purchasing one's freedom is not a thing that's easy to say. Also, uh, they upheld the privatization of railroads and other infrastructure in the 1920 Railroad Transportation Act. It's a little bit boring, but it does precede a massive regime of privatization embodied by like Calvin Coolidge uh, and Ronald Reagan in the 1980s. They also, uh, the federal courts uh, upheld Vegeland v. Guntner which sided with bosses in stripping the legality of striking and picketing campaigns, basically saying that, hey, uh, striking is a lot less legal now because you're interfering with the contract between bosses and their workers. And also another infamous case that you probably learned about in your high schools, uh, Plessy v. Ferguson, which upheld the legality of separate but equal facilities between uh, black people and whites. So yeah, the court isn't as instrumental in doing good things as we like to pretend it is.
1: And if you look at, like, the structure behind it, it's really clear why this is. Uh, the courts are something, are they're made up of justices that are, again, not elected, but uh, what's it called? Appointed. I just said it. Yeah, appointed. Uh, by the ruling classes, by uh, bourgeois interests. Um, again, the, the, the politicians who are in the executive branch and in the Senate are largely chosen by corporations. Um, the courts tend to uphold decisions that, or, or uphold, uh, create precedent and create uh, decisions and interpretations of the constitution that fall in line very clearly with these motives. Um, when you have a capitalist class both uh, creating legislation and having a court to deem that legislation constitutional and, like, allowed, there's a level of cooperation there that is happening within the wealthier classes that is instrumental in really making the courts a much more powerful entity than they really have any right to be. Uh, If we look at how... The courts have changed a lot to a more expansive view on their own power uh, and like the 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 vastness of their power of interpretation upon the Constitution. Like they they are they're not really like just a court anymore. They they're a very powerful branch that can make decisions or not make decisions, but you know it's.
0: Yeah, they're as much a political body as the legislature, and as much as politicians love to uh, pretend that the Supreme Court is not political. uh, First of all, I think, and I do make the case that everything is political, because the only way we are able to administer a good or bad life upon people is through politics and through political institutions, and the Supreme Court obviously plays a part in that. Uh, so yeah, Supreme Court and ideology come hand in hand, uh, I forget where I was going with that, go on.
1: But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's all very structural and intentional in this way. Uh, there, there's no mistake about making a Supreme Court that was nominated rather than elected there is no mistake about choosing the executive branch to appoint these people and to and to choose uh, the Senate instead of the House in confirming these people. Uh, additionally, when you look at the Senate, as, like initially the Senate wasn't even elected, it was appointed by governors. Um, there's a very, the, the more disconnected It gets from the electoral population and the closer it is affiliated with like the ruling classes themselves the easier it is for the ruling classes to protect their own interests in such a way that appears constitutional normalized and valid
0: oh yeah if you're taking ap gov right now you're welcome and also i'm sorry (laughs) so yeah continuing on the vein that we're speaking of and this is slightly related to what my comrade is saying, let's talk a little bit about the rights that liberals are recognizing as in peril. So basically, the only way that those rights can be administered is through the legislative branch. Roe v. Wade being overturned, Obergefell v. Hodges being overturned, the uh, the Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare, as it is colloquially known, being deemed unconstitutional, doesn't necessarily outlaw those things throughout the nation. I say necessarily for a reason I'll talk about a little bit later. Basically, it only means that, like, it could be regulated through... It must be regulated through states and as opposed to, like, the federal system. Now, if it is regulated through the federal system, like I said, judicial review, the Supreme Court can't do anything about it. It is up to state apparatuses to systematically overturn these things as they so please. The only problem is that they are allowed to do that now, that these things are considered unconstitutional. Uh, Thus this becomes a political issue that is consigned to legislatures. So it is up to us as people on the ground to organize around that as opposed to organizing around like appointing new people to the court. And again it's scary and something that I'd rather avoid. However, the supreme court is not or federal courts for that matter are not the be-all end-all of legislation in fact they're not even considered in the constitution as the supreme law of the land don't let the name fool you they are not actually as supreme as uh they make it out to be yeah of course
1: and additionally the notion that court protected in huge air quotes protecting Uh, decisions, like this really means a lot less than we think it does. If you look at a lot of landmark cases such as Roe v. Wade or or Obergefell v. Hodge, while the courts are shown popularly as uh, protecting the rights of specific populations in these decisions, What what does this protection really mean without actual enforcement or even further than that without intent to enforce these uh, legislation or these decisions. Uh, If we look at abortion, for example, it's obviously it's, it's good that abortion, the legality of abortion and the constitutionality of abortion was like upheld in Roe v. Wade. But at the same time, without providing any framework for the availability of abortions to people who actually needed it, like uh, lower class or more impoverished individuals, more marginalized peoples, this doesn't really mean anything. It's a symbolic victory, but without the actual means of carrying out that that decision, it it really doesn't do as much as we think it does. And additionally, the symbolic concessions of a colonial and oppressive government aren't really something that we should celebrate. For example, what does it mean when an oppressive government and an oppressive system decides to concede a little and give us like a little bit of rights, you know, just for kicks and giggles. Like, As a treat. <laughs> yeah. The courts themselves, they didn't, they're not the ones who gave anyone equality or freedom or liberation. Or, they, they didn't really give you those rights uh the, for the the people who fought for these rights in every single social equality movement for the past few centuries are who won those rights the courts themselves were pushed into submission essentially by movements en masse and to celebrate this as something that they gave us is to celebrate and uphold the uh, and legitimize essentially like a white supremacist government anyways yeah yeah. in a in
0: a quote-unquote rights framework and i'm sure in further episodes we'll be talking about what rights are um in terms of law and political economy uh but within a rights framework basically everything is illegal until it isn't if that makes any sense for example you do not have free speech until it is enshrined in say a constitution or maybe legislation uh, you do not have health care until it is guaranteed to you in legislation. So basically in being the arbiter of rights and how they are interpreted and how they are prescribed by our i say are as if i want to consider myself american um it, by uh, america's you know founding documents they are the basically they are the roadblocks between you and your freedoms and entitlements as a human being on this earth if that if that makes any sense at yeah, all y- so th- i think that's just an interesting that's not really yeah. like a like a material thing uh, that we could like talk about immediately i guess like it's not very helpful to think about the supreme court like in that you know macroscopic scale, if you're like talking to your racist uncle or whatever, uh, but I think that is an important <laughs> way in which we should think about law and think about justice and how it should be administered in the future. Honestly, I think that's one of the be- that's yeah. one of the best cases for abolishing courts as we know them today.
1: Yeah, and if we look at it, yeah, oppressive states themselves, the an, opp- an oppressive state and oppressor state is not acting with benevolence when it quote unquote gives you these rights. It was this is this government in this system cruel as it is is the one who was withholding them from right the all my place. homies hate right you wouldn't say yeah <laughs> you wouldn't say that like a landlord gives you housing for example they are the ones who are withholding it until you like push them to give it to you whether that's through monetary means or through like just taking housing forcefully maybe
0: Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's exactly. You touch upon uh, private property framework pretty well too. Like landlords don't provide housing, construction workers, and like land. God, what's the land people (laughs) who do things to the land? Uh, Landscapers. They they provide housing that livable housing. Plumbers, electricians, etc. Landlords are in the business of withholding housing. Yes, exactly. Banks do not provide money to you; they withhold. They withhold funds yeah <laughs> the same thing can be said about judges and justices in a liberal democratic system we live in a liberal democracy again we'll talk about what that means in future episodes yeah.
1: in a fundamentally oppressive system that started out the way america did like in the, the, these freedoms for that that are supposedly the natural right of any person have been withheld they they are they aren't they're not giving these to you, they're not being like nice and like fighting for you or anything like that. But I think that's the main point. I don't know.
0: You get unlimited speech points. Here you go.
1: But yeah, the the court itself again is acting as an instrument of settler colonialism and capitalism, which is no surprise because America is a white settler state that that is capitalist there isn't really any decolonizing you can do uh to a primarily colonial institution outside of just straight up destroying it the courts again their primary function is to protect the constitution and the constitution is nothing but a colonial document um written by colonizer racist <laughs> capitalists exactly.
0: that's and it is defended by people <laughs> who are basically of that same vein, I think. Like uh, it is absurd to me, just as a Marxist spy, aspi- as an aspiring revolutionary, uh, <laughs> that people think that internal reform is a good, like, solution, as opposed to its wholesale abolition, especially if there are people who can acknowledge that settler colonialism is a thing that exists, and that it's bad. That strikes me as a little bit strange, and a little bit demonstrative of willful ignorance in terms of how settler colonialism works, and how it's deconstructed, you know?
1: Absolutely, and again, like, allowing an illegitimate settler colonial state to continue existing in any way cannot be decolonized like you you can't on one hand fight for its continued existence through reform and still say that you are trying to decolonize it it is colonial by by it like it is intentionally colonial it, its existence is colonial it is a colony like it, none of that is decolonizable <laughs> like i don't know uh there's one tweet that i saw recently that fits into this oh, pretty no. well. Oh my god, I'm sorry, but some, uh, a a neoliberal on Twitter uh, tweeted this, uh, and this is a direct reading. Direct and dramatic reading,
0: please. (laughs) Dramatize it to your heart's content.
1: Justice Barack Hussein Obama. (laughs) Justice Hillary Rodham Clinton. Justice Merrick... I, I can't swear because I'm at home right now. Fucking Garland.
0: Garland. <laughs>
1: <laughs> period. And then there's there's a little enter and then vote. Period. Okay. First of all, let's get past the whole weirdness about the idea that voting can bring in justices. You you do you, you do not vote for justices. Uh, but but beyond that, the idea that a liberal or quote unquote liberal um. <laughs> Supreme Court justice would in any way fix the system at all, is fundamentally wrong. Like, just making it turn a little bit in... I, I don't know, Also, that's really. like
0: some cult of personality... Like, I'm not... Like, Lord knows... Oh, uh, I, I, tweet, I tweet a lot about the DPRK and the USSR. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lord knows I, I empathize with cults of personalities a little bit, but that is some bourgeois cult of personality <laughs> bullshit. And you could tell because... They emphasize the people who have never been judges, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, and then threw in Merrick Garland, Merrick fucking Garland, on the side, you know, as a little, as a little spice, as a little masala. Uh, Why why do we, why does anyone care? Who in their right mind thinks that Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton would make Affect like effective members of our juridical system, like uh, let alone that they want to be. Also,
1: just like the fundamental notion that a less conservative, but colonial system would be in any way less colonial than it is now, is just simply honestly. That's
0: that's that's where I find difficulty confronting this because I don't think people who stand Supreme Court justices, I don't think people who stand RBG. Really, really care about decolonization. Oh, that's true. I think they're willing to pay it lip service and nothing more because, at its core, decolonization means a communalization. I'm using a lot of Asians. I'm very sorry. I'm sorry if that gets tiring. <laughs> I-, I apologize. Um, but decolonizing <laughs> means making land essentially a communal enterprise, it's not about exclusion. Uh, Again, like hearkening back to that Ruth Wilson Gilmore uh, quote, it's not an absence, it's a presence. It means expanding land and resources to everyone instead of the hands of a few white settler, you know, executives. So that is not at all a lucrative enterprise for people who want to go into politics, people who want to kiss the asses of billionaires or I guess billionaires in general. Uh, (laughs) and moreover it seems scary and definitely puts at risk the material political and social I suppose if that's important if if that's an important enough component to some settlers all those elements of their very existence so that's not something that they care about but I promise you decolonization means putting the genocide of indigenous people at a halt if you're listening to this podcast I'm sure you understand that if you don't Stick around; we will continue to make that case. And again,
1: just to really hammer this point home, like there, there is no decolonization to be found in a in protecting a colonial constitution. Like it, it, this is a constitution, by the way, which allowed for continues to allow for slavery, imperialism, violence towards indigenous populations, uh, support of corporate entities, support of capitalism. This is in no way a good constitution there's no way you can reform your way around a document that was built against the very notion of like (laughs) of decolonization
0: yeah like it's a classic i'm literally reading from our outline here but also (laughs) patting myself on the back a little because damn this, this is this is spicy uh, but it's a classic example of the axiomatic expression you can't kill the master using as, well I guess using their tools because hashtag them boss. Can't do right by colonized people, that is to say uh, black and indigenous people who are oppressed here by, you know, like uh, the enslaving colonial racist America. You can't do right by them using the instruments of colonial oppression. A decolonial anti-racist and proletarian court cannot exist in America, in so-called America, because we don't have a decolonial, anti-racist, proletarian constitution. In pursuing revolution, we have to write this constitution, we have to write this agreement ourselves. And by ourselves, I mean following the lead of Black and Indigenous communists. The United States uh, Constitution does not enable that. It is not interested in Destroying itself because the abolition of the United States of America is in the interests of communists in wanting to establish indi- like indigenous queer feminist eco-socialism or whatever and then eventually communism The courts are a roadblock to achieving that because they are defending the legality of the settler state They are part and parcel of it They're not going to let us achieve the things that we know will make us and our comrades and our siblings and our relatives Alright, and
1: also just as, uh, I don't know, I, I understand from the point of view of someone who went through the American schooling system K-12, uh, that it is definitely a difficult concept to get past the inherent colonial interests of the Constitution, especially since it's paraded around and propagandized so much in our education system as something that brought freedom or whatever other random stuff they want to peddle. Um, Here's a little bit of a metaphor. I'm not sure how well this works, but uh, of course, there's a lot of discourse around like, can you separate the art from the artist or something? Uh, I remember, obviously, uh, J.K. Rowling is a turf uh, that, that's been floating around for a while but people i don't i don't like where this is going more yeah <laughs> i don't know but um yeah people start to notice this more on twitter over the summer but again on first read maybe like when you were in elementary school if if you read harry potter and the harry potter series it might not seem like it had like transphobic intentions or maybe you didn't pick up on them as a child but again like there are so many parts of the harry potter series that are Intentionally crafted, or maybe even not intentionally, but they're they're very clearly crafted from a transphobic um. And while the uh, the Constitution itself, while it may not appear at face value as something that parades the the interests of capitalism and the interests of colonialism, well, I would argue that it does but while that's not how you may have perceived it in the past at a very fundamental level it was written by slaveholders it was written by capitalists it was written by colonizers their intention in this document does not conflict at all with any of those things like the 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 constitution i know that it is really paraded around as propaganda it's not something that really protects your rights it's a it's a fundamentally political document and it really promises nothing in the way of actual liberation and trying to yeah Yeah, why
0: the fuck are why the fuck are political pundits so interested in not politicizing the constitution it is literally a political (laughs) framework written by people with innate bias Ooh, so what's up with that? Why are we so interested in pretending that things are good when they're not? That's a rhetorical question. You know why that is. And it's because pretending bad things are good makes people rich. It makes Exapered. them very, very rich. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I feel like all the all the criticisms that we're going to levy against the Supreme Court now like seem tame. <laughs> right now like yeah yeah it's undemocratic it's obviously uh, yeah it is it's appointed by senators who like basically don't represent <laughs> a proportionate amount of america appointed by the president without our vote uh, the and also it's a fucking genocide. it's a it's a it's, a, it's an arm of the genocidal uh, settler state
1: i mean yeah that's like again like this is the whole like i and a lot of people say the whole like,
0: senate thing seems a lot more tame by comparison <laughs> that's true
1: but like reform versus revolution there there you can't reform your way to liberation under a fundamentally unjust state like i don't know but yeah yeah. under
0: uh, under a system that like was designed by people who don't want to see you free exactly i think we've talked about that we kind of talked that uh to death speaking of death um that's a little bit too dark, but we're gonna talk about Ruth Gator Ruth Bader Ginsburg a little oh. bit. So yeah, Julius, um I know you have a lot of thoughts on um Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her uh or I guess uh, quote unquote liberal justices oh, yeah. and their relationship with colonialism and capitalism in general. So well why don't we why don't we all d- right.
1: discuss hashtag girl boss RBG of uh, 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 yes she did pass away uh first of all interesting how as a very elderly person she did not decide to leave the supreme court on her own volition before and she did like
0: we're not just like saying that out of pocket she had an opportunity in 2014 during the obama administration yeah i could not tell you why she did not vacate that spot exactly
1: she she i mean you can argue all you want about it but if she really thought that like she, she was obviously very she has been close to death for quite a while and if she was really we're all close yeah, to death <laughs> under late stage capitalism yeah if she had yeah <laughs> if she was interested in maintaining a quote-unquote liberal majority in the supreme court I, I don't think she would have continued to hold her position within it but beyond this, is a is a liberal or neoliberal court really what we want? Uh, while at face value, of course, Ruth Bader Ginsburg has done many things. Oh, sorry, that was a... Tutor. She has done many things. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's done a lot of things that you can say like, oh, this is like, quote unquote, good. Like, of course, she fought for a lot of reproductive rights, uh, LGBT rights. But at the same time behind her but like uh, this is something that people really conveniently like to ignore she fought for pipelines on indigenous lands uh i this was in the Cheryl versus V. uh she she fought for the <laughs> she said that indigenous communities whose land had been stolen uh couldn't acquire it back at, <sighs> i'm not sure if i'm saying through yeah. through a purchase yes. basically oh yeah yeah okay
0: that they that indigenous communities could not buy back their stolen land again very weird concept that land is something that can that purchased. needs to be purchased to to be be used. Wow! Um, but if you think it's weird, you should be equally angry at Ruth Bader Ginsburg who. Uh, drafted the majority opinion (laughs) for this case that said sorry history is written by the winners you can't get this back bye again next year and and, and also oh yeah this is like the paragon of feminism supposedly in the courts is actually extremely anti-black and anti-indigenous as it turns out another example of this um, is when she sided with uh, Clarence Thomas, who is by, like by and large the most conservative uh, justice on the Supreme Court, uh, for pipelines on indigenous lands in, in the Appalachian Trail uh, around what we know as North Carolina uh, by overturning a lower court ruling, ruling that prohibited Dominion Energy from building that pipeline. So uh, to clarify, yeah. a lower court prohibited an energy company from building an oil pipeline on indigenous lands. Ruth Bader Ginsburg helped overturn that. Yeah. Not not quite mm. Yeah, girl mm. boss, huh?
1: Girl boss, girl boss. Okay, but <laughs> additionally um uh, this reminds just reminded me of like back in, when Colin Kaepernick first started uh like kneeling as in form of protest she was very ardently against that. I am not going to directly quote her because that that would really She yeah. basically
0: called him dumb. Yes. Yeah, she, she basically called that act of protest in favor of justice for black lives who were murdered by pigs. Uh she called it dumb. And she said it was disrespectful.
1: Disrespectful, right? Real disrespectful. Uh-huh. I I, I don't know. It's it, it's very clear that she wasn't really progressive in any way she's she didn't have like it it's obviously easy to like look at her and say like woman in power she's a woman in power so therefore she's good or she is uh associated with the liberals or she is a liberal and that means she's good automatically but it that 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 really isn't so we don't want to shit on people who are afraid right oh wait no
0: i remembered it (laughs) basically people like to pretend that she is uh progressive or that progressivism lies in protecting things as opposed to accomplishing things ruth bader ginsburg and basically every liberal justice have not done very much to accomplish quote-unquote progressive gains uh gains that make people more free they've just been responsible for protecting from like protecting the encroachment of them. And while that is good, and while that the good that they have done uh, in in protecting reproductive rights and um, queer and trans rights is important, um, it's not nearly as empowering as we like to think it is. Uh, That said, I don't want to shit on people who are afraid right now, people who feel like their rights are in jeopardy because in a certain sense they are. So I do want to discuss where we go from here Uh, my immediate response to any of this is mutual aid and advocacy i think in the event that reproductive care is in jeopardy it is important that we build systems outside of the state apparatus making sure that people receive the care that they need while that is not possible we will be linking some uh, reproductive health funds in the uh, in the description of this episode just so we can provide our queer and trans and non-men comrades uh with the help that they need and uh to make sure that they could receive their health care properly yeah
1: and also just to um, like really emphasize this again this is also something that needs that sh- needs to be happening now while reproductive rights, in terms of their legality, are not challenged. Because accessibility to reproductive rights are not something that is insured. Um, it's very difficult to combine, so it's, it's very still expensive. still not insured, yeah. right?
0: Because like, what, what is there, like one women's, well, women's health is a problematic term, one reproductive care clinic in like Mississippi? Yeah. <laughs> it... No, these are already things that are being encroached upon through other messages. Mm-hmm or method sorry so this is by and large a legislative battle that we need to be fighting already because roe v wade has not done that much heavy lifting in places like mississippi in places like georgia in terms of protecting uh like actual real healthcare clinics that exist or i guess no longer exist i yeah. should say
1: and again uh going off of the the mutual aid is really crucial uh, especially when building the road building the framework for revolution uh is definitely a long-term goal um it's not something that's going to happen immediately or even within the near future if you consider the level of uh the level of class consciousness that we're at right now in america it's really crucial to make sure that your comrades and the marginalized people around you who are victims of colonization victims of imperialism victims of capitalism can actually survive to see revolution happen um yeah uh, survival pending revolution mutual
0: aid so important until then organize on the ground for legislative wins i know um electoral politics isn't really our thing and i don't think that necessarily has to come into play now but it's important that we as people showing solidarity uh or people who literally are queer and trans, or women, uh, like that we, you know, develop demands and militantly, militantly with a capital M, uh, bring those to our leaders or people who like to purport themselves as our leaders, but are really, Representing the bourgeoisie and imperialists and uh, you know national corporations, so it's important that we bring to them our demands and not just kindly give it to them. But we need to get their foots from our necks and put our boots on their Exactly. Necks. And I think that's very possible. We just have to be creative in how we imagine demanding these things to which we need to be entitled. Ex- definitely. And additionally, so yeah, uh,
1: looking beyond the theater of politics that 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 the bourgeois capitalist state has presented to us as options. It's really important to take a bit of a step back from the traditional uh, political analysis that's going on and really ask yourself whether or not the solutions that are being presented or the compromises that are being suggested are acceptable or substantial. Uh, again, like, we don't settle for, like, people's lives, for people's liberation. This is not something that we settle upon. Um, This is not, like, any uh, concession on issues of, like, that affect people directly in such a way are going to have consequences, like, with human lives themselves. Um, And it's really, really important to to really like you have to at some level ignore the fighting or the quote-unquote fighting and quote-unquote resistance that is going on between republicans and democrats because at the end of the day they both are supported they are they're both in favor of the same interests they're they both protect corporations they both protect a capitalist and imperialist and racist state and it, it like yeah thing until think
0: then until we could put that uh, macroscopic view of liberal democracy into praxis uh that's our call to action basically yeah um check out some of the uh reproductive health funds that we put in our bio uh and make radicalize some doctors please yeah, radicalize absolutely. some obgyns turn them into communists turn them into Petty bourgeois class traitors, please. So maybe we can make some, the worst comes to worst, we make some uh, communist uh, communist healthcare clinics. Yeah. And additionally. Uh, and yeah. yeah, we'd like to extend our solidarity to uh, our queer and trans and email comrades. Uh, I know some of those descriptors apply to us Hope uh, us hosts, so uh, know that this comes from a very sincere place in our hearts. We really don't want to diminish anyone's concern because we know it's real. Those emotions are powerful and have a demoralizing effect on us, but we don't want anyone to feel demoralized or discouraged from achieving revolutionary goals. Absolutely. Because... We have your back, and you have our backs, and we want to make that known. So, solidarity forever. Yes. That's my piece. I'm basically done talking right. for the episode. I, I just
1: want to do a little shout-out of one of our earlier Instagram posts. Um, as y'all know, it is the the temperature is getting colder. Um, again, we live in a very cruel state, a very cruel existence under, uh, <laughs> under late-stage capitalism. But people without housing are really suffering uh and this will continue to get worse as the temperature goes down as the seasons change housing is obviously something that people need to survive but um again in the spirit of mutual aid uh some of the things that are most essential for people to survive and keep warm in the winter such as uh socks blankets like good warm shoes like just such many basic things uh like winter coats things like that Please, please, please uh, keep these needs in mind uh, for people who need them, <laughs> and uh,
0: keep them in your mind and in our wallets. Yes, absolutely. If we have the means, we should be. We should. We need to give these things to yeah. people who who absolutely. From need
1: them. Uh, what was that thing about? Like uh, from those who can't provide. By, to the, I keep messing up that quote, but basically
0: that's that's a that's a long walk from uh, to each <laughs> to each there. Oh God, I'm messing it up too. I'm we're all forgetting our marks today. <laughs>
1: but yeah, if you have the means, please contribute in a humanitarian way. Uh, if you're one of those quirky thrifting people, please don't take anything that from communities that actually need these resources. And again, solidarity forever. Thank you so much for listening to our mini episode and feel free to...
0: To yeah. each according <laughs> to their needs, from each
1: according to their ability. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but all right. it's right, it's been a good one, y'all. Or not really, but we're, we're just going to say it has. I'm having a terrible day. <laughs> yeah, same. But uh, we'll anyway, see you This in... has been yeah.
0: Podcasted People's War. Merrick fucking Garland. <laughs> see ya. Bye.